0: Hello out there and welcome back to the Washington University Emergency Medicine Journal Club podcast, April 2019. So this was Journal Club last month and we talked about the use of sodium bicarbonate in cardiac arrest. It seems like the more and more we look at these things that we have been doing for cardiac arrest for so long, that a lot of it is actually not that useful. Back in November, we looked at epinephrine in cardiac arrest, and actually the evidence shows that it probably really doesn't do a whole lot of good. If you give it early, maybe you're doing some good, but if you keep giving dose after dose after dose, you're not helping the patient. So the question is, what about bicarbonate? So back in the past, bicarbonate was a standard part of ACLS. Early ACLS guidelines recommended routine bicarbonate administration in cardiac arrest. But more recent revisions have recommended against its routine use. They're still not saying don't use it, but not to use it routinely. And stoking this ongoing debate is a lack of rigorous evidence to direct practice. So we decided to look at the evidence that was out there. Now, the theory behind giving bicarb is that in cardiac arrest, you develop an acidosis, usually a mixed respiratory and metabolic acidosis. That acidosis makes things worse as it impairs the body's ability to respond to catecholamines. So the catecholamines that are supposed to help get your heart beating better, the catecholamines that are supposed to help vasoconstrict stop working as well. So if we give bicarb in theory and fix that acidosis, we should improve outcomes. The problem is, of course, Giving bicarb doesn't necessarily fix acidosis, at least not in the way that we like to think that it does. But more importantly, does it have an effect on clinical outcomes? And that's what we looked at. The first study we looked at was sodium bicarbonate improves outcome in prolonged pre-hospital cardiac arrest. Sounds like a positive study, doesn't it? title says it all it improves outcome well let's actually look at whether that's true this was a prospective randomized controlled trial they enrolled patients cared for by seven ems systems in western pennsylvania in the mid to late 90s they enrolled adult patients with cardiac arrest that were refractory to defibrillation they excluded patients who were in overt respiratory arrest or traumatic arrest they randomized patients to receive either an empirical dose of sodium bicarbonate, 50 milliequivalents per liter, early in the care, or an equal amount of saline. And then all patients received, of course, standard ACLS, including epi. They enrolled 792 patients and 13.9% total survived to ED admission. Okay, so they made it to the ER with a pulse. Now, when they looked at the results, they found that there was no overall difference in ED survival between those who received bicarb and those who did not. It was 13.8% and 13.9% for a relative risk of 0.99. And among patients with prolonged cardiac arrest, so cardiac arrest lasting greater than 15 minutes, there was a trend toward improved survival, 12% versus 5.9%. The relative risk was 2. The 95% confidence interval was 0.92 0.92 to 4.5 so crossed 1 did not achieve statistical significance now among those patients with cardiac arrest less than 15 minutes no difference in survival so the problem's here one is that this was not a positive study this was a negative study it was underpowered perhaps to detect a clinically significant difference in the outcome that they were looking at but it was still a negative study the 95% confidence interval for that result crossed 1 does not exclude the possibility that there is no difference more importantly what do I think about the outcome? Survival to ED admission. So you made it to the ER with a pulse. Unfortunately, that's not a great outcome. It's not a surrogate for survival to hospital discharge, survival 30, 90 days down the road, and says nothing about neurologic outcomes. So to me, this was a negative study whose primary outcome was not very patient-centered. The next study we looked at was sodium bicarbonate administration during ongoing resuscitation is associated with increased return of spontaneous circulation. So again, a positive study according to the title. Let's see if that bears out. This was a single-center observational case control study conducted between January 2008-December of 2013 at a large urban emergency department in South Korea. Patients in the study were enrolled from a prospective out-of-hospital cardiac arrest registry that included adult patients who received CPR upon ED arrival for pulselessness. So they still had to be getting CPR when they arrived in the ER. Patients with termination of CPR within 20 minutes of arrival without ROSC were excluded. In other words, you came in in cardiac arrest and before 20 minutes time had expired in the ER, they called the code. You didn't get a pulse back. You were pronounced dead you were excluded from the study. If you got ROSC within 20 minutes, you were included. Or if you were still getting CPR beyond 20 minutes, then you were also eligible for inclusion. Patients who received sodium bicarbonate in the ER were matched in a one-to-one fashion, case control study, to patients who did not receive any sodium bicarbonate. But the decision to get sodium bicarbonate or not was made at the discretion of the treating physicians. This was not randomized. The outcome of interest that they looked at here was ROSC within 20 minutes of ED presentation. So if you got ROSC within that first 20 minutes, that was considered a positive outcome. If you were continuing to get CPR beyond that 20 minute time frame, that was a negative outcome. They ended up with 559 total patients who met criteria. 331 of those had ROSC within 20 minutes, and 268 did not have ROSC within that first 20 minutes. Prior to any kind of matching or control for confounding factors, they found that administration of bicarbonate was associated with a decreased chance of ROSC, 22.7% versus 54.9%, an odds ratio of 0.24, with a 95% confidence interval from 017 to 0.34. Now that's not surprising necessarily. If the physician decides to give you bicarb, it's probably because they have some sense that you're less likely to survive and they're trying to do everything they can. So this is selection bias. Patients with a worse prognosis were chosen to get the intervention and therefore it looks like the intervention causes a worse outcome, but it's not the cause. It's simply an association. After matching patients based on initial bicarbonate level and CPR duration, there was a positive association between administration of bicarb and ROSC. Here, the odds ratio was 1.86, with a 95% confidence interval from 1.09 to 3.16. Following adjustment, by multivariable logistic regression, bicarbonate remained independently associated with ROSC, with an odds ratio of 249 95% confidence interval, 1.33 to 4.65. So in this case, yes, it actually was a positive study. Unfortunately, this was not a randomized controlled trial. This was an observational study, and all of the propensity matching and multivariable logistic regression you do in the world will not make the two groups equal. So this is an interesting finding. Um, It does suggest maybe there is some increased chance of ROSC in the ER with the administration of BICARB. Not a randomized controlled trial, unfortunately. And more importantly, the outcome that they looked at is not one that we really care about. Getting a patient back in the ER is not always a good thing, first of all. And second of all, it does not mean that the patient will do well down the road. They did not look at survival to hospital discharge, did not look at survival at 30 days, and did not look at neurologic outcomes. So the outcome of the study is not one that I or my patients necessarily care about. The next study we looked at was pre-hospital sodium bicarbonate use could worsen long-term survival with favorable neurologic recovery among patients with out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. So I I like this in the title that we're talking now about, long-term survival with favorable neurologic outcomes. This is an outcome that I can get behind. So this was, unfortunately, not a randomized controlled trial. This was a secondary analysis of data collected prospectively for the Resuscitation Outcomes Consortium. They enrolled adult patients with out-of-hospital cardiac arrest treated by EMS in four major metropolitan areas in British Columbia and Canada between 2015 and 2016. They were excluded if they weren't treated by an ALS unit. So these were only ALS unit treated patients. It's important to note here that neurologic outcome data was only collected in this Resuscitation Outcomes Consortium during enrollment for five particular clinical trials. So they only took patients for this study from those five particular trials. Their primary outcome was survival to hospital discharge, but they also looked at secondary outcomes, including survival to discharge with a good neurologic outcome defined as a modified rank and scale score of zero to three. And like in most observational studies, they used multivariable logistic regression to control for multiple confounders and also looked at the total dose of epinephrine given and the length of resuscitation to determine the effect of sodium bicarb on those with shorter or longer lengths of resuscitation. They ended up with 13,865 total patients, 5,165 of whom received sodium bicarbonate. Now, after multivariable logistic regression, so after controlling for all of those confounders, they found that sodium bicarb administration was associated with decreased survival to hospital discharge. The adjusted odds ratio was 0.48, the 95% confidence interval from 0.35 to 0.65, so this was statistically significant. They also found decreased survival with a favorable neurologic outcome. The odds ratio there was 0.61, and again, the 95% confidence interval did not cross one, so... A statistically significant decrease in survival with favorable neurologic outcome with the administration of sodium bicarb. If you got less than four milligrams of epinephrine, suggesting a shorter duration of CPR and resuscitation, sodium bicarb decreased your rate of favorable neurologic outcome with an odds ratio of 0.57. If your dose of epi was more than four, there was no significant difference. Now, interestingly, when they looked at the actual length of resuscitation, if your length of resuscitation was greater than 22.6 minutes, then sodium bicarb was associated with a decreased rate of favorable neurologic outcome, adjusted odds ratio 0.33, 95% confidence interval 0.16 to 0.66 if your resuscitation was less than 22.6 minutes, there was no significant difference in the rates of favorable neurologic outcome, whether you got bicarb or not. The last thing they did was they did a propensity matching for the 5,638 patients who were selected and found that if you got sodium bicarb, you had a decreased odds of survival to discharge 0.63 was your odds ratio there. So now at least we were looking at more important outcomes, your survival to discharge. We'd like to see maybe three months survival, one month survival, but at least they looked at survival to discharge and they looked at your neurologic outcome at the time of discharge, which is certainly better than just, did we get a pulse back? And did we get you admitted to the hospital? Unfortunately, this was still a retrospective observational study. This is at high risk of selection bias, and despite all of the multivariable logistic regression and propensity matching that they used, there's always the risk of an imbalance due to unknown confounders. You always have to worry about that. Still, of the studies that we've looked at, I think this is probably the best because at least they looked at an outcome that we cared about. Unfortunately, the one randomized controlled trial on this topic did not look at survival to discharge, did not look at neurologic outcomes. The last study we looked at was interesting because here they looked at the effect of sodium bicarbonate administration on pH and on bicarb levels. So did giving the bicarb actually have any significant impact on those metabolic parameters that we suspect that it's going to impact? This was called sodium bicarbonate on severe metabolic acidosis during prolonged cardiopulmonary resuscitation, a double-blind randomized placebo-controlled pilot study. Now, Again, this is a randomized controlled trial. That's a good thing. Unfortunately, the primary outcomes they looked at are surrogate outcomes. Did it affect your pH? Did it affect your bicarb level? Interesting to look at, interesting to know, but not something that's really a patient-centered outcome, like survival to discharge with good neurologic outcome. This was a prospective randomized controlled trial conducted in 2015 at the Asan Medical Center in South Korea. Patients who failed to achieve ROSC after 10 minutes of CPR in the ED and who had a severe metabolic acidosis with a pH less than 7.1 or a bicarb less than 10 on ABG were eligible for enrollment. So you had to have this severe metabolic acidosis to get into the study. Patients were randomized in a one-to-one fashion to receive either sodium bicarbonate 50 equivalents or normal saline injected over two minutes. Now, in order to ameliorate the expected increase in partial pressure of carbon dioxide associated with bicarbonate administration, the ventilatory rate was increased from 10 to 20 breaths per minute for two minutes after study drug administration. And they then obtained a repeat ABG after 20 total minutes of CPR. Now, problem here is they increased the ventilatory rate in patients which we know is not always a good thing in CPR. If you increase ventilatory rate, you increase intrathoracic pressure, you decrease the effectiveness of CPR, you decrease venous return to the heart. So potentially by doing that, they worsened outcomes a little bit. Uh, It's hard to know for sure, but they did this in both groups. So any effect is going to be spread across both groups and be equal. This was a very small study, 50 total patients, 25 in each group. And for the outcomes, while they found that there was no difference in the baseline pH or bicarb between the two groups, at 20 minutes, both measures were significantly higher in the treatment or bicarbonate group compared to the control group. So the pH at 20 minutes uh, in the bicarb group was 6.99 versus 6.9 in the control group, The bicarbonate level was 21 in the bicarb group versus 8 in the control group. So yes, giving bicarb seemed to ameliorate some degree of the acidosis that you saw in these patients, but it wasn't a huge amount. A pH uh, difference of 6.99 versus 6.9 may not really correlate to any changes in outcomes. Uh, They also found that there was no statistically significant difference in rates of sustained ROSC or survival to hospital admission between the bicarbonate control groups, But this was a very small study not powered to detect a clinically significant difference in those outcomes. They also found no significant difference in survival with good neurologic function at one month, but that's because nobody survived with good neurologic outcome at one month in either group. So it was an interesting concept to actually look at whether giving bicarb had an effect on pH or the bicarb level, but probably not clinically that important. And this was such a small study that they couldn't draw any conclusions, unfortunately, about the effect on clinically important outcomes. So my takeaway from all this is that the bulk of the evidence suggests that there is no benefit to giving bicarb. It is certainly not definitive, unfortunately, and I can't say with absolute certainty that you should never give bicarb to these patients, but I certainly don't recommend doing it routinely. There are, of course, certain cases where it's likely to be beneficial, patients with known or suspected hyperkalemia, patients with TCA overdose. Of course, those patients you want to give bicarb to. But for your run-of-the-mill cardiac arrest, I just don't do it. I think focusing on the things that we know work is a better idea. Early defibrillation, good uninterrupted chest compressions, bagging and ventilating the patient at a low enough rate that you're not going to impede those chest compressions. Those are the things that I would focus on rather than giving meds that have no proven benefit. And that's all I've got for this month. As usual, check out our webpage, emjclub.com. Like us on Facebook where we're EMJ Club, and follow us on Twitter where we are also EMJ Club. And as usual, thank you guys for listening in and I hope you will join us back next time.